0: and creativity. Visit crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets turns.
1: Look, man. Oh, I see. Wow. Bowen, look over there. Wow, is that culture? Yes.
0: (gasps) Las Culturistas.
1: Ding dong, Las Culturistas calling. One of the most important weeks in culture. But is it the correct week in
0: culture? That's the thing with Oscar nominees. It's always important, but never quite correct.
1: It's always a mixed bag, isn't it, Bowen Yang? Absolutely.
0: Like my life right now. Yeah, you're sick. You're not feeling good. Well, uh, this is my second sore throat in as many months, and I think, and I looked it up. Finally, I don't know why I didn't do this in my youth. Mm-hmm. I qualify for a tonsillectomy, and I might get those suckers out. I don't think that's a good idea. You think it'll change my voice? Well, I'm, get, not, that I'm, wasn't I'm getting was... a
1: sore throat like ten times a year. It's bad. you have to make sure that it's because of your tonsils, though. Like it could be something else. Like if you're going to have your tonsils removed, and it, and it's not like. That's well, girl, not why, girl. I'm going to the ENT. She's gonna tell me what's what. I'm not gonna go yeah, in yeah. and book it. I just, <laughs> I just think it's very funny and very you to be like, I'm getting my tonsils out, babe. I've been dealing with this
0: my whole 33 years on this planet.
1: I get Bowen. sore throats
0: all the time. Don't talk down to me. I <laughs> don't. You dare. I don't know. I
1: don't think of you as like my girl who gets a sore throat, but.
0: I keep it from you because I don't want to burden you with my pain. Do you know what oh, I mean? And
1: you know I'll internalize that right away. My no. empathetic soul.
0: You are such empathetic. It's like
1: when I saw that America Frere performance, I was bawling. Uh well, I first I want to say that you removing your tonsils should be a last resort, honey. But I okay? think we've gone through all
0: the resorts and we are reaching the last one. Honey. White
1: lotus season 15. Cancel it already!
0: <laughs> Becca Ramos, our, our producer, says, "OMG, I've been personally worried about that. It changing my voice. I looked it up. That happens more in children who get the procedure.
1: Yes, that is true. But also, I would say that the recovery for a tonsillectomy as an adult is insane. Yes, like I've heard, I've heard worst pain of your life are words that have been used. Honey, it can't be much worse than the pus on the damn throbbers. Now you hate to hear puss. It's actually roller coaster number fifty. Now you hate to hear pus. Code, How are you, <laughs> my sweet? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I'm really enjoying getting up early. So peek behind the curtain. We've been doing the episodes even closer to release nowadays. Just because things on the calendar. And I've been really enjoying getting up early. I've been yeah. on my berries. Kick. I'm kind of obsessed now I want to go with my sister when we're both in New York
0: I would love that I would love that Matt
1: we've never really exercised together you've come to a couple soul cycle classes back in the day back Yeah, when but that like, was you'd think that we're besties for um, well besties I never use that term you were my best friend Maybe for a decade and a half we've probably exercised together like done physical exercise together like Less than five times? Less than well, ten? Well, it's a
0: lifestyle change. It's a lifestyle change.
1: It's a lifestyle change because we really are sloppy-dobby girls. We really are those girls eating pizza on the couch. But something
0: <laughs> about this year, we're almost into February. I have not kept up good practices for this long. Oh, right. Like, I'm still on my meal prep grind, even though that's so annoying. But can we remove the stigma on around meal prep? I think we can. I'm a single, childless gay man. Yeah, I have decision fatigue. I was going to say that. Yes, you were were mouthing it, and I read your lips. (laughs) I I feel like it's fine. I'm just cooking for myself, and it's actually quite lovely, and I'm eating nutritious meals. I'm eating
1: broccoli like never before. I mean, I too have been consuming a lot of broccoli. I just think, you know what it is? It's that thing of like, I think what I was good at this year in terms of resolutions is I didn't make that many. And also, I'm not saying, like, it has to be this. I'm, like, sticking to it at a 10. I'm, like, I'd like it to be this. And uh, my, by putting less pressure on myself, I feel like I'm able to exercise more and also able to eat a little bit better. Just, and also, it can't get more out of control than the second half of the year last year for right. me. So, like, it's easy to regain control. But, you know, I just feel like I would like to enjoy looking over at my sister sweating amok. <laughs> I am a sweater. We have also performed together in high-intensity situations many times, so that sort of replaces exercise.
0: We've performed together in high-intensity situations. That's true. Now, speaking of that, let's just put this out there. hmm Matt and I would love to do The Traitors. We want to do it. We want to do it. I, I want to do season three of The Traders. I will clear my schedule. I will clear it. We'll both do it. And I know we're not reality people. We're not reality TV people I don't think it matters. Yeah, because John is literally... Former Speaker of the House of Commons.
1: That, I mean, like, Deontay, the quitter. Right. Like, Oof, if, if we'll get into that. But, like, yes. he he was a, you know, former heavyweight champion. Like, there, there's, like, many people there that I think all you have to be is, like, a personality that pops or whatever. And, like, you have to be just someone willing to oh, play honey, the that game. is you. I was going to say that was you. I think they would obviously be very, very thrilled to have you. I'm not a personality that pops
0: necessarily,
1: I think I'm That's very so silly, very, and I'm
0: not getting into this with you. Very shy.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you are a gregarious girl. <laughs> you are smiling bright. I'm smiling bright. <laughs> we would love to do it. It's
1: actually real culture number number fifty nine. Bowen Yang is a gregarious, gregarious girl. girl. He, he is, is smiling, smiling bright. bright. Would you want to be a faithful or a traitor?
0: We discussed this yesterday with our friends. I think with Sudi. Mm-hmm. Um, I would prefer to be a faithful. And mm-hmm. what about you? I know the answer, but...
1: Can I just say, I feel very patronized and dragged by the Las Culturistas readers, what? Katie's publicists, and finalists, because I feel like they don't have faith in me that I would be a good trader, and I know that I'm a good trader. Why are they saying this? Because they say, like, a lot of people are like... No, okay, no. Okay, no. so here's some peek behind the curtain. During the pandemic, I played an online version of Survivor. Yes. Real Katie's and readers that et cetera know that I played something called survivor quarantine during the quarantine. Yes. And I went too hard and made the merge, but was voted out immediately in the merge just because I was essentially the villain of the game. So you learned something from that. I do think I've learned something and picked up some skills from that. And I think that I would be a better trader than people give me credit for. I really do.
0: I agree. I must agree. Matt is very much a parvity in the sense that he talks to you and you feel like he's flirting. And I mean that with utmost respect, that you and Parv are cut from the same cloth.
1: I'm very perceptive, okay? And I think that the thing about me at breakfast is I'm always so excited to see everyone. So uh-huh. you would never be able to tell, <laughs> like when people come in and breakfast, like and it didn't look like. Oh, like I just think that I will be able to channel my Matt Rogers ishness uh-huh. into being a good trader, and I do think you'd be a, a wonderful faithful because I think that you have a force of personality where people would want to engage in your opinions. I,
0: I would have a target on my back. I would be killed pretty early on, I think.
1: I don't think you would be killed. I think that other idiot faithfuls might try to banish you.
0: But they are fools. Because my flaw would be that I, and again, am somewhat, somewhat quiet. I can be a little quiet. Bowen. Just a little. And that would, as we've seen in these last, in the various iterations of the show, that becomes a red flag at some point in the minds of the players. But I, I do think I would perceive and pick up on things like I do think this is probably unfair to say but like some of these people are really really off these faithfuls on these shows are
1: off so they really are yes and um it makes me feel a little crazy because I'm watching it and I'm like okay so obviously they are not in the position that you are in the viewer which is you're or watching you know. an edited television show where you know and can say like, oh, look at her. She's being obvious. Oh, look at her. She's dumb. Obviously, it's not that easy. Right. But I do think that one thing that people are forgetting about this particular cast is, of course, they weren't going to like brush up on the other franchises. These people are collectively all on the narcissism scale Pretty close to
0: Tim. <laughs> Just not, well, that's why it's a shame that Peppermint got voted out so early because I think Peppermint was really yeah. a purveyor of all their shows. Like she yeah. knew everybody.
1: Yeah, I think she might have been on the on the spectrum of too far that way though because okay. like her personality was really like big and right. obviously the way that she was voted out was I don't think totally above board but I do think it was a matter of time because the thing about Peppermint is like she can't really blend in because, like, she's coming in hot with her opinions, and yeah, she right. just is a star. She's got a big personality, and that's been the she's interesting thing about this. She's an actual performer,
0: unlike most right. of these people.
1: Yeah. Right? You know, I did DM a little bit with Parvati Shallow. Yes, who is a former. By the way, if you're new to the podcast, Parvati's been on the podcast, and um, it's an episode called "Firest Family." This is initially when we were very obsessed with her because of her Survivor tenure. She came on. And um, I've DM'd with her. She is down to come back. So at some point, like either when she's voted out or when the season is over, hopefully at the end when she wins, you know, she'll come back. But just look forward to that. Uh, Maybe we'll try somehow to get that to be an in-person episode. I would love that. Yes, Um, but she said this was my first experience with the housewives, and it was wild in all caps wild. And I was like, Uh yeah. It's kind of crazy to watch their insane social tactics at play here. And it feels like these gamers have kind of met their match with the housewives because there's no way to plan for chaos.
0: Right. Or for brutal honesty.
1: I don't think Phaedra coming for Parvati is necessarily in Parvati's playbook.
0: Well, it might be the editing, but they cut to Dan and Parvati in that moment. Where mm-hmm. where Phaedra rightfully is like, don't do that. I'm playing very fair with y'all, and then just the the kicker, which is her, which is her saying both of you, mm-hmm. like, delicious. And both so I, of you, both of you. Neither of them are used. No to one this. likes
1: you, Parvati.
0: <laughs> Parvati, hard tea. Everyone thinks you're a traitor. <laughs> don't do that, Parvati.
1: That was not cool, Parvati. I mean, it was definitely an epic moment in television. And as I was sitting here watching it, I kind of thought, okay, so for Phaedra, her game is 100% I need to blend in. And now that's kind of not possible. That being said, I do think that Parvati casting aspersion on the Housewives doesn't make me think of Phaedra as much as it makes me think of Larsa, who she was targeting, and Tamra, who's a lot more vocal. So... I get why Phaedra's upset because her method of madness here is a little bit threatened, but I do think she is big-dogging them more as a threat for ongoing than she is, like, pissed off in the moment because it's
0: not that big of a deal. No, but it does seem apparent in these episodes, in these four episodes so far, that Dan and Parvati are pairing off in ways that leave out Phaedra. Yeah, they and want they, her out. And that's, it's interesting that this moment happened because I wonder how they respond to this. Either they go, they go. well, then we got to sacrifice Phaedra or if they, if they fucking fly right with her.
1: Yeah, I think there's two ways they can go. One is they can defer to her right now in the turret, say, Phaedra, we're sorry, murder who you want to murder. It's now your turn to steer the ship and try to make her feel like she's back on board with them and allow that to be their path forward for eliminating her because they do want to do that. I mean, they've said it. Like, Phaedra's upset actually justifiably because they do want her out. They do want to throw a bone to the Faithfuls and, like, they want that to be Phaedra. Great strategy. Um, Right. Or they can go full destruction mode and turn it on her directly and be like, Okay, fine. Every every person for themselves. If you're gonna act like this, and then at the round table, Parvati can literally turn to Phaedra and be like, "Why were you acting so defensive when I said that?"
0: Wait, say that again. Parvati like Parvati can throw it in
1: Phaedra's face and be like, "At the last round table, you were extremely Uh defensive uh and even used my name when I even threw out there that a housewife could be a traitor. Why?" Right. Phaedra's response to that, I mean, I think Phaedra could absolutely flame Parvati too.
0: Right. She's very
1: capable. I mean, it's going to be very interesting. Phaedra has ruined people's lives. (laughs) That's what we must remember. (laughs) Has anyone like, if you do a deep dive on Phaedra, it's like she was Bobby Brown's lawyer. She was married to a felon. Her ex-husband like went to jail for what Jen Shaw went to jail for. Right, right. She's a certainly questionable moral character when you look at how she's not on Real Housewives of Atlanta anymore, which is that she created a rape allegation against Candy based on nothing, where she alleged that Candy Burris and her husband, Todd Tucker, tried to drug and rape Portia Williams. And it resulted in one of the in most insane reunions of in Housewives history, and Phaedra was fired. This is season nine, by
0: the way, for people who she, haven't watched.
1: She is a traitor.
0: Yeah. 1,000%. I think... This is the best of television. This is the best that television can be, the show.
1: I I wake up, I think about it. I think about it. I feel like that Sondheim song. I'm losing my mind. mind. That's me with the traitors. You know who I think is getting the winner's edit? Who? Sandra.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
1: She is getting the TV edit of a reality show winner.
0: That's very interesting that you say that because there are moments where... There is a comedy to her, and there always has been. Yeah, and this is not to this is not to say that we don't take any of her like we don't take her seriously. She's a legend, but it's like between like the wound on her forehead. <laughs> she's a mafiosa. And she's a mafiosa, and she can absolutely walk away with us. Yeah, and and lead the faithful to victory. I will say, I still think Dan is not the player he thinks he is, not the not the skilled player he thinks he is. I really do.
1: I think he. Has gone up and his the- name's been brought up. Yeah, his name's been brought up. His name has been brought up. I do think he's gone up in the power rankings for me as opposed to the first three episodes. I agree with you, he didn't play well then. I think the fact that, like, here's what I'll say the fact that Larsa can march those housewives over to the board and say, let's look at the board and say, we need to vote out, vote someone out point to Dan, someone who she's literally voted for before and targeted before and still went for CT instead, means that Dan is positioning himself with shields well. And I think that he also has two shields in the traitor's turret, which especially now, they're going to be way bigger targets than him. Like The conversation is not going to be on him moving forward, at least I don't think for the next couple episodes. Shields don't protect you from banishment, though. No, what I'm saying is human shields. What I'm saying is oh, oh, other oh, see, competitors I see, I see. using them as shields. Like, right, right. like what what do they call it? In Survivor they call it a meat shield. Like when yes. you have a when you have a someone else in front of you to take the yeah. bullet. But just to speak about who I think is going to win, I still think that's Sandra because I think that maybe this is from me watching so much reality television, but From the first episode, they have made sure she's in the narrative. She always gets shown. You always know her opinion. They've set up the Parvati versus Sandra thing. Mm -hmm. They seem to mention every 15 minutes that Sandra is a stone-cold killer. They show Uh Sandra flipping the votes against Larsa. They show Sandra ingratiating herself with the housewives, then flipping on them. Very smart. Very smart. She also was a viable traitor to be recruited. I'm just saying, like... If you actually watch it as something... And it's like a rule of reality television, where if you go back to the first episode and binge it, you need to be able to see the winner's arc. Sure, sure. The That is only really there with a few people, which are all the current traders, Sandra, and I would argue Janelle. Yes. And I also think they're setting Peter up for something.
0: Yes, that's true. Hmm. I have really... Mainlined UK.
1: What are your all your thoughts and feelings about UK? UK Traders is also out on peacock, everybody, and it's a really good watch.
0: It's really good. very um, different. Very different. I there's something appealing about it being all quote unquote normies.
1: Yeah, they cast it really well.
0: The half and half of season one US just didn't really work. But um No. They know that now. And I think it is an incredibly emotional game. Oh yeah, they incredibly emotional. What episode
1: are you on of UK season two?
0: I started episode six.
1: <laughs> okay, great. So, what are your thoughts about Claudia?
0: We're dressing up as her for Halloween. That's a really good. We're idea. getting a giant cow neck sweater, a dark wig, a dark curtain banged wig, and and deep heavy makeup.
1: The best idea I've ever heard. Because now in Halloween, you could just enter a room being like, the traitors have struck again. The
0: traitors have struck again. What a tragedy.
1: There is a tragic, tragic tale. And it's the one you're living right now.
0: How could you allow this to happen?
1: And the traitors will strike again tonight. Sleep well.
0: She's very good at outlining (laughs) the game. Whereas Alan is so so reveling in the, the camp of it all. She is very... She's dropped in serious direct and dropped in and clear as day. Yeah. With these people.
1: It's really fun because Alan coming in the U S version is giving like this, like camp drama flair. Like he's almost like, he's like, I can't believe I'm doing this a little bit. Whereas uh-huh. like Claudia in the UK is like, I am dead serious about this. And she even refers to them as my traitors my faithful <laughs> she's like i'm with you i'm rooting for you but like i just i'm so disappointed when you fail and so uplifted when you succeed whereas in the australian version the guy is very like Intense. hot and smarmy and cheeky almost like james bond H- uh-huh. he's giving like his name is um roger i and started he's, the
0: first episode i yeah yeah I he he's
1: good about. and and that season is really good too they they cast some loony birds it's australia yeah.
0: Love to my birth country, but you know <laughs> it's it's a bunch of loony birds. I apparently Claudia Winkleman is very funny. Funny girl. She she goes on these podcasts, she does interviews where she is like cutting up. I mean, she has big fans in us. Absolutely. We're we're new to Claudia Winkleman. We can't wait to see more.
1: I'm so happy you finally are watching that season because I, I enjoyed know. it like probably eight months ago. Right. Like and it was it was I'm late. I just think the traders. In general, what a home run, what a win for the world,
0: the audience, the world. I mean, how many of there are many countries? I know there's Belgium. I know it's it's like bigger or as big as drag race. I feel like in terms of the international franchising,
1: it's definitely got international presence. Yeah. I mean, like clearly.
0: How many traders shows are there in countries, (laughs) 20 (laughs) 20 countries and territory? Oh, uh, wow. Yes, 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 yes.
1: That's there amazing. Is- and it did, it did just win the casting Emmy. I think that this will be nominated mm-hmm. for the Emmys. I, I think this is a cultural phenomenon. By the way, it showed last night on NBC after America's Got Talent. So clearly it's big enough where it's not even one of those things where Peacock is like, oh yeah, let's throw this on Bravo. It's like on NBC. So pretty cool. It's giving flagship. Happy for Alan. Happy for everyone involved. Yeah. Happy for
0: um, the traitors. The traitors. When it comes to travel, we all have that happy place. Whether it's the beach, ski slopes, couples getaway, or even a visit to that best friend you haven't seen in way too long, Matt. And
1: Priceline wants to get you there for a happy price so you never have to miss a trip. Now, we all know we love to vacation together. We have various happy places. We love to go to Orlando, Florida. We love to go to Las Vegas, Nevada. We love to go to a beach anywhere. We love to go to Europe. But when we have truly traveled the world globally and domestically. Try new bubbly burst. You know, but one of the toughest things about decorating my apartment has been getting things framed. Finding a place that will custom frame all my beautiful art pieces that I have without breaking the bank has been close to impossible. But then I found Framebridge. So speaking of winning and losing and traitors, um, let's touch on these Oscar nominations. So the leader, no surprise, was Oppenheimer.
0: Mm-hmm. What are the upsets?
1: Greta. You know, I have to say, I'm so bored of this conversation about Greta. Ty- uh, Greta, Tiedler. yeah. Uh, Greta-, <laughs> Greta Gerwig. Because- Don't tell Greta. No, I, it's disappointing Tyler. for every blonde. Every blonde in, in the United States is like, what was I made for today? They're just, they're having a hard time. I just think, you know, she made a movie that was bold and, you know, did something really new and was so funny and so culturally important and made over a billion dollars. Like, and for her to miss out on the director nomination again feels like it's just a disappointing, boring conversation to keep having. She's obviously one of the most consequential filmmakers out there right now. That being said, I don't know who I kick out of that director lineup. I'm mm-hmm. thrilled for Justine Trier. I love mm-hmm. Anatomy of a Fall. It's just unfortunate. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Actress, director, very competitive. Actor, <sighs> actor very happy for Coleman. Thrilled. And supporting actress bummed me out. And Supporting Actor kind of confounded me. Look. That's all I'll say.
1: I I feel that Charles Melton snub is... You didn't nominate the Best Supporting Performance of of that category. Period. Period. I also, I would say the same about... Rachel? Best Supporting Actress, I would say I miss Rachel McAdams there. I miss um, Julianne Moore there. I I mean, like, I think we... I don't know, actors. (laughs) That's what I would say. And like it's can I just say I I'm a big America Ferrera fan. I really like America Ferrera. I always have. I just don't think it's an Oscar-worthy performance especially when there were so many performances that sh- were, were up there for me in terms of yeah. like really really challenging great stuff and feels like she got nominated for that monologue which you took care of in the screenplay nomination. Right. I just think it's disappointing to see Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie not, go, not be nominated in director and actress when I don't think those were easy things to pull off. And no. clearly the movie was beloved in other areas, but it actually didn't do as well overall as I thought it would, Barbie. Yeah.
0: Surprising? Or you're saying you're bored of the entire conversation around the film?
1: No, not that. I'm just, this thing with Greta Gerwig missing for director Uh is boring to me because it's just like, we're still having this conversation. Like, she deserves to be nominated for this movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know who misses out. Again, like, I I don't, I don't know. You could have seen a snub coming based on precursors. Yeah. I had a sneaking submission. uh, Submission. I had a sneaking, (laughs) sneaking submission is me when people think I'm a top. Um, oh <laughs> um, No, I uh, I don't know. I had a suspicion just because they've they've bumped her from that category before, I was just disappointed. Right. You know what I mean? Like because I think her efforts merit, you know, a nomination there. The Sterling K. Brown nomination in, I'm not. I don't know about that. It just I really it doesn't make don't. sense to me.
0: Was Greta's director nomination for Lady Bird for Ladybird, not Little Women? I see. Yeah, I would have loved Charles to, to have gotten in there. That's all. Yeah, And Natalie and
1: Julian. I, I really think those were really
0: compelling performances.
1: Actors really said this year, going the easy route. Like, and even this Annette Bening nomination, she's not going to win, people. It's like, and also I don't believe that that performance looking back is going to be like, oh yeah, wow, remember 2023? Remember NIAD? No, no one remembers NIAD.
0: Yeah, Jodie in America in supporting is tough for me. I'm sorry. I I
1: just, I just, I, I, you know, it's nothing against, again, I fucking love Jodie Foster. I fucking love America Ferreira. I love them all. It's just when you're looking at it, it's like, what exactly are we doing here? Uh, Just people I would love to have seen. There's just countless, count. I mean, even Taraji in, in Color Purple. Taraji,
0: yeah. Rachel McAdams, yeah. Julianne. The actress categories were incredibly competitive as usual. I don't know. It's just this was a this was a really packed year for the girls. Yeah.
1: I mean, there was there was great things. I mean, I'm thrilled for Anatomy of a Fall. I love that Sandra Hewler was nominated. Yes. yes. Love that. I mean, I also think that script is so amazing, and her performance is great and you know, it's it we'll see. Mm-hmm. It just feels like it's locked up a little bit too. You know what I mean? Like if I had to predict it feels the like Divine Joy Randolph is winning, feels like Robert Downey uh-huh. Jr. is winning. Feels like Killian is winning or well, feels Killian like, and
0: Paul Killian and Paul is very interesting. And I, that's a race. I would say that's a race. Yeah. I would vote for Paul Giamatti. I really loved Paul. And then Emma is locked for Octra. For it feels like Emma and Lily. Right. That's a race. That's a good race.
1: Yeah, there's there's some races for sure. I think Oppenheimer yeah. will win Best Picture. I think it'll end up feeling more anticlimactic yes. than we thought or it could have. I mean, ultimately, Oppenheimer is sweeping the thing.
0: Yeah, but Poor Things getting coming in second with the number of noms is pretty cool to me. I really... Love Poor I, Things. My, my favorite, as you all know, I am excited to watch Oppenheimer soon and to completion. I still have not. Mm-hmm. As you know, Matt and I did leave the theater.
1: (laughs) Yes, we did. Because we were like, we get it. We get it. So we kind of haven't even seen when allegedly Emily Blunt and Robert Downey Jr.'s performances get good. You know what I mean? (laughs) All year I've been like, ugh. I've been waiting for years for Emily Blunt to get an Oscar nomination for years. And now she gets one and I'm like, ugh. But, like, I didn't make it to the part of the movie where apparently she was good. Same with Robert Downey Jr. And also, you know what? They're both icons. And I'm not mad at anyone's nomination. I'm happy for everyone. I'm just bummed for people that got left off. Yeah. Same. There are a lot of snubs. There are more snubs than I thought there would be. I was wondering last night, I was like, is this going to be a straightforward morning or a chaotic morning? I think it was pretty chaotic. It was a little chaotic. Like, a lot of times, like things would pop up and I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> uh-huh. we're, we're, we're going for it this morning, aren't we? Yeah. I can't stand Maestro. I can't stand that movie. And I really feel like mm-hmm. we're so lazy and boring for giving it as much as we gave it. Like it's just Who loves that movie? If you loved Maestro, reach out. I just want to talk.
0: Just talk to Matt, because that was another one that I haven't sat through. I'm bad. I'm bad. I'd rather watch The Traitors every time. It's
1: 100% understandable. Did you watch Salt Lake? I did. Let's touch on it.
0: I mean, the Monica thing is, it made my head spin the number of times she contradicted herself within seconds or on a larger scale never once took accountability for anything even with like the admission quote unquote of her being one of the people who was involved in ryan it's still extremely there's no purchase there there's no grip there there's no like it's slippery she makes it slippery on purpose and she like lies on herself within sentences She's very emotionally stunted. She's a she's an unwell person. I don't think she should come back, but I have it on good authority that she will. Yeah. I don't know if I will like the next season, if it, if it's as nasty and ugly as this reunion was. And that's my that's my main thought. And the Heather stuff was interesting too, in the way that Andy kind of took her to task in a way that was respectful, but ultimately valid.
1: Yeah, she was in trouble. I mean, he really held her feet to the fire for that. And for good reason, because to be honest with you, I had never even thought about what she was insinuating.
0: About production?
1: Yeah. And here's what I'll say. I want to come at this with some sympathy and empathy for Monica, because I believe she acts like a 14-year-old because she's stuck there. I have a lot of sympathy for what her mother treats her like i mean like that that seems like such a toxic terrible atmosphere she's obviously not got a relationship with any paternal figure she's divorced woman you know what i mean i i think that she probably did want to improve her station in life and i think she probably was abused by jen shaw yeah and i actually think that at the end of the reunion Her place on this cast to me is more uncertain than I thought it was because I would have thought she's done. Now I actually think if Heather can somehow get over this and Monica can stop being so defensive, they actually have a place to start, which is that they were both like abused by this person. Yeah. I thought the allegations were one thing. And then the explanation of what really happened with Jen Shaw and the black guy, you know, I understand why she was scared. I do think that Jen Shaw is a scary person. I thought she was scary just to watch. Imagine being with her in private. Like, yeah, the way she would just pop off and get in people's faces, the look she would get in her eye. And what I really resent is that whenever she was called out for that, she always made it about like, you can't say that about brown and black women. And it's like, I'm sorry, but that is so disgusting of you to hide behind that. Meanwhile, you are someone who is physically violent and dangerous in your activity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like that is Mm -hmm. so, that's like a very real thing that black and brown women and women of color have to deal with. And you weaponize that to shut people down so that they would continue to fear you. And I just think that's disgusting. I think she's obviously a disgusting person inside and out. And um, at the end of the reunion, when they were all like holding each other and crying and Andy said, can we all just really realize the fact that this person was like an asteroid? We're still cleaning
0: up her mess. That's what he said. We're still cleaning up her mess. And then
1: I thought it was powerful when Heather addressed her. Yeah. You know what I mean? like. And I think ultimately when the rest of the women came to her defense and said, I understand why Heather did what she did. I understand. You know, you do see why this show ultimately has ended up being a great show, which is that there is that sisterhood there and that understanding. And I also believe that we're actually able to get with this franchise to an emotional truth. Yes, yes. You know what I'm saying? It's like ultimately at the end of this season, which was one of the best seasons, we're able to really start talking about like something real. About the things that bring women like this together, right?
0: Which is honestly, the comparison has been made. It's Big Little Lies. It's like someone <laughs> who has <laughs> abused and caused tremendous pain on yeah. multiple levels. It's so funny. Like Jen Shah is the what's his face. Peter Alexander Skarsgård. Alexander, not Peter, sorry. Alexander Skarsgård. I, I get my
1: Skarsgårds mixed up. You got your Peter Sarsgaard and your Alexander Skarsgård. Don't even bring Bill Skarsgård into this. There'll be a Um, I, I thought Monica seemed very defeated at the end of the reunion, which I refuse to believe is her final act. And I think she'll be back. She'll be back. Because I, I think that the way they put it together, if I had to guess, is that Mary's coming back That's a way for Monica to come back. And I think that there will be a Mary Whitney conversation. And I think Uh if Monica has a path forward with someone, it's Whitney. It's Whitney. Although, can I
0: say, I think you're totally right. I am personally sort of done with Mary. I don't think the entertainment value is... Sustainable. Brooke Ashley actually made a great point about this. I think she like themed her whole recap on this. It's like Mary being that rude and that toxic, honestly, Mm. not in the same way as Jen, but like Mary being cruel and she is cruel is not fun to watch anymore. I would agree. And the way these women talk to her and Andy talks to her, it's like she is in an institution.
1: I also think. People are forgetting a lot about her, about Mary, about what she's done Done. yeah, and been like on this show. There is a reason why Whitney used the word predator about her. I'm not alleging anything. I'm just saying there is a reason why, because there was a lot wrong with what I saw on that television show in regards to Mary's church and the way they treated her. Go back and watch the episode where Jen Shaw visits Mary at the church.
0: The power structure of that place is dark.
1: Problematic. And for Mary to throw around racism, which, you know, she's entitled to do. But I'm sorry, but I seem to remember her speaking in a comical Asian accent about Miss Jenny. Jenny, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mary is not above board and she's always been who she's been yes it's sometimes funny because it's crazy that she'll just come out and call someone inbred and chubby and fat and she'll just say these things like and she seems to get away with it because no one seems to know how to handle it and therefore it lands under or it gets filtered under comedy ha 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 but it is just me yeah, and I have a feeling that if she were on a cast with people who could like actually handle her verbally and weren't just in shock, like you know, because I mean? none of these women yeah, can like yeah, yeah. read. none of these women can like tear her apart with words, no. like so she kind of just gets carte blanche. If she were on a cast with someone that could like stand up to her for real, we wouldn't be like as entertained by it because it would get called out for being what it is,
0: right? Which is bad yeah so those are my thoughts on salt lake yeah and uh what else
1: is there more current events or are we diving back in time
0: i've started true detective oh yeah and it's good so far it's the jody songs it's the jody Sons and then i am randomly starting fargo season two with miss kirsten and mr plemons and miss gene smart and here culkin and-
1: that's apparently a great kirsten performance
0: it's really good. Really good so far. I've never mm. seen it. And oh, um, oh I want to kind of work my way through those seasons because it feels up my alley. And I, I don't know why I never really explored. There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly,
1: Try new Bubbly Burst. job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring.
0: With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs, on-demand, temp-to-hire,
1: part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their
0: Take back your finances.
1: .com/chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa
0: Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft hut supply. Out of network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com/disclosures for details. Okay, should we should we go back in time? Should we go into the Oh, well, we've already gone into the bowl We've gone
1: into the bowl and we've chosen a year. The year. And it's a year. And it's a year, you guys. And I was saying to Bowen, like, so remember how I was like, I don't want to give us homework. We did have a little bit of homework. I've created a document, which has like all the highlights from 2009. And this actually was really fun because I think that the culture gods were looking down on us when we picked this. Because (laughs) 2009 is not only the year that birthed so many culturally relevant items and was the beginning of so much and, you know, also the end of so much. But also it was the year that Bone and I became friends. Big year. So for that to come out of the bowl first, it's a sign.
0: It's a sign. It was the last thing that Matt wrote on this document and it made me very emotional, very beautiful. It was the year that you and I became friends because it was the year that we were both Doing comedy at our school, yeah, and we got to meet m- amazing people through it, lifelong friends, and no less each other.
1: This also was the year I came out of the closet. <laughs> Ooh, the year! Yeah, I just remember like I was thinking, like, what's what's 2009? What's important about 2009? I was like, oh yeah, it was like the year everything changed.
0: I would not come out of the closet again until the next year, 2010. And I will never forget, I just blurted it out to Mike Spence and Henry Melcher in our apartment. You just said, I'm gay? Yeah, it's kind of, well, well, we'll get to it when we get to 2010, whenever we do. But it was, it was a lovely moment. Oh, yours
1: was 2010. Okay, so we have to wait yeah. for that. We have to wait for Bowen Yang's coming out story until 2010.
0: Talk about you coming out in 2009. What What are the tent poles of that experience for you?
1: So I had internal transferred into Tish, and I found out I was going to, get in. So, Uh so I was, it was like March or April of 2009 when I found out I was going to get into Tisch because I was in college of arts and sciences. It was freshman Uh year and I was going to do an internal transfer. And a lot was writing on that because I was like, you know, for some reason it's like, you know, before you do anything big, like coming out of the closet, you have like checklists. Like I want to make sure that I'm Uh able to do this and do that. And like, I was just, you know, working so hard over time in my brain to make sure that, um, the environment was going to be a healthy one once I had come out. So I had gotten into Tish. I remember like, you know, hitting the streets and listening to like all my music. And of the time, like I remember listening to ready by Kelly Clarkson in 2009, after I found out I got into Tish and it was like a really nice spring day. And Uh I remember I walked around, um, fourth Ave, like around U U hall where, where my dorm was. And I just like, took a really long walk and just smiled and like was so excited about my future. And I was really galvanized about coming out of the closet that summer. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell all my friends. And, you know, basically I had come back to Long Island to work over the summer at a restaurant and I was going to start waiting tables. And uh, that was the first summer I had like a relationship. I had like a, Mm. you know, my sexual awakening that summer. And started to tell all of my friends and, you know, I told my mother that Christmas, I didn't tell my dad actually until the next year. Like my parents were the last to know, but that was actually one of the most difficult summers mm-hmm. of my life because I was mm-hmm. like having sex for the first time. And that was like a whole new awakening. And that was excited. But also at the same time, like having to look my friends from high school, like in their eye and say, mm-hmm. I'm gay. That was, it was like I had a fever every day. Like, you know, you remember. Wow. Anyone who's closeted or has been closeted knows what that's like to have to come forward with that information. And yeah, so just sitting in this year and looking at all the culture of this year, it's all like, it's not triggering in a bad way. It's just triggering in an interesting way, in a very emotional way, because all of this stuff has attachment to a very heightened time.
0: It's well, all the culture of this year and that we'll get into is suffused with your personal experience of just like coming out.
1: Yeah. Well, one of the things I even put in the document was that this year really marked the first year of superstardom for um, Taylor Swift, but also Lady Gaga. Uh-huh. And I remember Lady Gaga when she first came out, like I was resistant, I Me think, too. because of the messaging of be the little monster, let your freak flag fly, like be gay, like, etc. Like it's time, like Obama being elected and Gaga bursting out and like being at NYU. It was all just like, it was like life was telling me like, it's time to dive in. And that is Uh scary. You know what I mean? Like, like the culture of the time in, in the ways that I'm sure you feel this way. And like, I know I feel this way, like, it was interacting in a way where it was. It was a call like, to Whoa. action.
0: Yeah. Like Gaga was out here saying Get your dicks out. Get your di- <laughs> Well, that was 2010. That, <laughs> well, that, yes, that was but
1: she was she was
0: metaphorically saying get your dicks out. Uh, right. Well, <laughs> let's start with Gaga. she was get your dicks out. <laughs> let's start with Gaga. Sure. So this is so fame, the fame comes out August, I wanna say, of two thousand eight. I might be getting the month wrong. So later latter half of two thousand eight. We'll for context, we'll mention that. Fame Monster comes out in November of 2009. And I just remember her doing pre- her promoting that album in a way that was thrilling to me, where I think this was before Bad Romance even came out, but she was just doing interviews in a way that... She changed up her look in a way that like was deeply exciting. She was going from this like Euro trash adjacent aesthetic of the fame into like, I'm going to look like Marilyn or I'm going to like look, I'm going to really start doing my Madonna drag. And it was when she started doing these interviews where she was like, you're judgmental that I'm promiscuous in my songs. But if I were a guy grabbing my crotch, talking about fucking girls, you'd call me a rock star. I'm just a rock star. That is a huge Huge cultural moment for, I think, a lot of people to hear a pop star who was deeply intelligent, deeply studied, deeply aware of, like, the things that have led up to her career. And to say that to some asshole who was like, your songs are about sex. Like, what do you, like, how do you feel about that? She's like, I don't feel anything about that. It's not revolutionary. Mm -hmm. I'm just a rock star. That's so powerful to me.
1: Yeah. I think people didn't know what to do with her, but knew they had to do something with her Uh because she was so undeniable. I mean, I will never forget. It was like Just Dance came out and I I wasn't a huge Just Dance fan. For me, I I got Poker Face. I was like, oh, okay. I would have thought that Lady Gaga looking the way she looked Because remember when she came out, everyone was like, oh, she's ripping off Christina Aguilera bionic. That's (laughs) That's so funny. No, it's true. It was like, Christina had like a very similar aesthetic with the bionic era. Like the keeps getting better of it all and like the not myself tonight of it all. Like that was sort of Gaga-ish at a time when Gaga was doing, you know, the early days of Gaga, the fame. And that was, they they were speaking to each other aesthetically. And then it would become so clear that, Gaga was her own thing when Poker Face came out and it was like, you know, this like ode to bisexuality and like this like bizarre melody and this weird hook and this insane sort of like, you know, she was hinting at insanity weirdly in her interviews and everyone was like, what does she really look like? Because this was during the era when no one really knew what she looked like. Right. And then what really got me was *Bad romance. to speak of Alexander Skarsgård again yeah. was paparazzi. Oh,
0: pa- paparazzi, paparazzi.
1: Oh, because I also loved Love Game. Paparazzi for me, I was like, oh, got Something's it. Something's
0: happening. Something's got
1: happening. Got it. And I remember, you know, say what you want, but Perez Hilton was all over her. He was like, this uh-huh. is the new Princess of Pop. Mark my words. Mm-hmm. This is her. And I was like, all right, it feels like we're being like force fed her a little bit. And then it was so clear, like, okay, get on board or be lame. And I just, I remember I decided to be lame because I was not ready for it. I've said uh-huh. it on this podcast. Like if you don't love Gaga, you don't love yourself. I did not love myself at that time. <laughs> wow. I was learning to, I was you learning to.
0: You had just come out. There is a developmental latency around mm-hmm. reaching that, Reaching that sort of place, and I think a couple of years later, Gaga comes out with these missives about self love. Yeah, that we'll get into. We'll get into another time. But um, there's Gaga, Nicki Minaj, Be Me Up, Scotty" comes out in 2009 as well. This is an a hugely important the, birth. Import, the bur- <laughs> this is a hugely important year let's keep going. Should we talk about... We,
1: we should also say 2009, Like just to speak on this, which is essentially a Swifty podcast, this was Fearless winning album of the year. This was Taylor Swift. This was truly the the beginning of her superstardom. This because was VMA. Because prior to this, she had been a country music o- award winner and country music star. And now she was legitimately household name status, which I think... You know, also speaks to the Kanye West of it all. That was one of the big cultural moments of the year. Kanye West storming the stage. That would have ripple effects for decades.
0: Um, yeah.
1: And he was also speaking up in protest of Beyonce's loss, which this was also a big moment for Beyonce because this was really the end of Beyonce as Matthew Knowles. Yeah. Sort of, let's call her like a pop star in the way of, like, you'd always see pop stars like this. You know, I Am Sasha Fierce was Beyoncé's last, like, conveyor belt pop album. It was great, but it wasn't, like, the artistic sensations that would come later, like, with 4, which was a turning point, with the self-title, which, et cetera, which, you know, she became became Beyoncé 2.0 or even 3.0. Mm -hmm. after i am sasha fierce but this was the year of single ladies and halo and this was beyonce in that first imperial phase
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. let's say this best selling album fearless would win album of the year at the grammys record of the year you somebody by kings of leon bitch song of the year single ladies put a ring on it best new artist zach brown band most awards, Beyonce won six at the Grammys, and you said, made history as the winningest female artist in a night. Does she still hold that record?
1: I think so, because I think they've also changed it so that it would yeah, be yeah, yeah. pretty impossible for an artist to win six awards six. in a night. Because this was a time where there was like, you know, there was like best female pop vocal and mm-hmm. best male pop vocal, whereas now it's best solo pop vocal. It's like, right, right. they've done a lot of changing with the categories, I think because it was so easy for people to win so many. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, also, I just want to say in terms of Use Somebody, do you want to know the first time I ever heard the song Use Somebody? Was it at a Hammercatch show? No. It was at Saturday Night Live. Oh. So oh, you went I, to see Kings of Leon. I went on the standby line, so we've talked about this on the pod, but, and this is one thing I forgot to say when I talked about this with Seth Myers. So, the Anne Hathaway Hath- show. No, it was James Franco and Kings of Leon. Uh huh. And do you know who I sat next to in the audience? You've told me before, but this is going to blow my mind again. Emma Stone. Oh my God. Emma Stone was had only been in Superbad. Uh huh. And I remember no one recognized her, but I did, uh-huh. and I because I loved Superbad and I loved Emma Stone in it, and I'm telling you. She was sitting next to her boyfriend at the time, Uh Teddy Geiger. Whoa. So I remember when the taping was over, like everyone was getting up and it was so major. And I remember you, somebody had come on and I remember being like, wait, that song was kind of great. Like I had never heard that. Like I had, I knew sex on fire by Kings of Leon. So they performed sex on fire and And they were "You somebody. And I was like, whoa, that song is kind of a smash. And then those are both great songs. They were great. And it would yeah. go on to win record of the year, as you just said. But I was sitting next to Emma Stone. And I remember at wow. the end, when everyone was getting up to file out, so many people stopped Teddy Geiger for a picture. <sighs> I think Emma Stone might have been taking photos for That's Teddy so Geiger funny. and her fans. You know, right, you know Teddy Geiger right, has right. since transitioned and become, you know, more of like a songwriter. I think yeah, she yeah. works with Sean Mendes a lot now. But this was a time when they were dating. Uh-huh. I sat next to them that's wild and watched kings of leon perform you somebody at a show that would change the course of my life in terms of what i was pursuing and would ultimately be a show that my best friend was the star of and i would also well, meet him that year it, it, it just it, this is and a i was wild. coming out and like all these things like just unreal
0: mm. can i say this segment is already amazing <laughs> not to pat ourselves on the back. I love this. I love this so much because, I mean, we'll get to a point where we do a year that, like, we weren't even born in and we won't have this personal connection to it as much, but... Who's to say? Who's to say? I mean, this is... Emma Stone, by the way, Culture Awards acolyte fan. Well... Should we say she was almost going to show up to last year's ceremony?
1: Yeah, we were... We actually almost had Emma Stone come to the culture awards talks fell apart at the last minute because i believe there was a hair dyeing situation Situation. i think she had just dyed her hair and she was concerned about quote-unquote looking crazy Uh but you know (laughs) the door is open emma stone was it was it black no it couldn't have been black it could have been for portrait. she had dyed her hair for something which Uh probably people will find out soon yeah but um i think that she was like Eh, it's not really the vibe for me to show up in public right now. Totally.
0: But she has an open invitation to come at any point in the future.
1: Whatever she wants. The vibes are good, right? I mean, like, she seems
0: like the Vibes are great. We were like naked (laughs) on a garbage truck in the cold, just like our teeth clattering, chattering, whatever, and then I was like, we, we when she to-
1: hosted SNL for the fifth time uh-huh. and I'm telling you, I sat next to her on what had to be the first time she had ever seen it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It's like, crazy. A show that she loves that she's loved her whole life. And
1: you know, what's funny. I remember her watching it and I remember, this is so weird. And maybe I'm rewriting history here, but when I was watching it, I remember I was having a moment like where I was just like, wow. This is so exciting. I don't know if I need to be on this show or want to do this show, but there's something about this. Like, I need to to explore this as a career. I need to pursue this. Yes. I need to pursue this feeling, this energy. And I feel like I was, of course, like looking over at her because I knew who she was. And I feel like I saw something similar in the way that she was. Absorbing the show. And I would wow. make, if she ever comes on this podcast, I would love to ask her about that. Because I'm sure she remembers being there. Of you know, course. like and I'm sure it was like a moment because I mean she would go on to host the show five times. And right. it was just unreal. It was it's just so crazy.
0: This is two thousand eight, so this is a different thing. We're cheating. No, 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 a no, 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 bit, no, no, but no, no, you no, Somebody
1: got us into it.
0: Yeah. no, 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 Yes, yes, no, yes. no, 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 That I no, 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 to uh, be fastidious about. The year. I just think that also was when you were seeing Tina, Sarah, Palin. Yes. And that's going to be relevant as well.
1: I mean, that night was basically one of the days I decided to come out of the closet. Wow. I mean, to be honest, I remember I got home from seeing SNL and I like sat on my bed and I like, oh gosh. What? I like cried. I cried because I wanted to get out of my situation so bad. And I was so unhappy. And I was so convinced I could do more. Mm. I was like, I know I'm better than this. I just know I'm better than not speaking to people. I know I'm better than not doing what I'm capable of doing. Like, I know I can do something. And like, seeing everyone there, like, engaged in what they were doing and excited and the energy around that, I was just like... I literally decided in that night, I was like, I'm going to try to internal transfer into Tish. Oh. And I'm definitely going to come out of the closet because I can't do this anymore. I can't allow myself to be a prisoner. Yeah, Like I've come so far. Like My parents are spending so much money for me to go to this school. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hide in my room. like, And even just like not make friends and just go to the SNL standby line every weekend. I knew that was a crutch. It was something I could do to waste a lot of time because I loved <gasps> that show so much. But I also like, wasn't making friends cause I was scared. Right? Cause I was scared. Like, I mean, and ultimately I would, you know, triumph in that and like come yes. out of the closet and we all would, but it was hard. It was really hard at that time. Mm. And um, I remember I sat on my bed, cried and I Googled the person that I respected more than anyone else. And that was Amy Poehler. And I saw that she was in her improv group in college and I saw that she started something called the UCB. And I signed up for a class and I said, next year, I'm definitely getting into a group. I'm definitely mm. getting into a group at my school. I will.
0: And And you did. I did. That's amazing. <laughs> That's beautiful. And also you that show spurring you to come out of the closet and, and be Yeah. Yourself is Amazing because I, th- I think Andy Sandberg had an effect on you, both artistically and physically.
1: <laughs> he you did. You know what I was thinking? One of the handsomest men in the world. I love Andy Sandberg. Also, like, this was a time where the digital shorts were really popping off, like... Oh, my God. Are you are know, kidding me? Oh, this was, this a, was a peak era. era. This was a great era of SNL, and it changed my life. It really did, for so many reasons. I'm so... Grateful, I went to that and Mm -hmm. um, allowed like that to change. But anyways, thank you for sharing. What else? Avatar. Avatar,
0: (laughs) 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 top-grossing film. Avatar, (laughs) best picture. Hurt Locker. That was an intense year. That was well. There, that no. That's the only James Cameron, Catherine Bigelow like matchup, right? Yeah, that was the showdown of the X's. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Catherine Bigelow won best director. First ever woman to win the award. It's apropos on this morning, presented by Barbara Streisand. Not to say that things have things have changed so much. I mean, claps to Justine Trier. You know, and just a yeah, couple yeah, years yeah. ago, we had two women nominated for best director. So it's amazing. I, I'm I'm sorry about the Greta thing, but like it's great, and it was presented yeah. by Barbara Streisand, which was a moment. And yeah, the Hurt Locker won six Oscars. Avatar won three. This was also the year of Sandra Bullock's Oscar win, which was controversial at the time. I think has held up a little bit better. You think so? I think because she has gone on to slay so hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember the blind side feeling like, okay, we're giving the movie star the Oscar. But then you see Gravity a couple years later and talk to me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, tell me something. Tell me something.
0: Other notable films. Inglorious Bastards. Precious. Up.
1: Nine. Very important movie for you. Nine is a movie I saw twice in theaters. And I felt very seen by Kate Hudson. (laughs) absolutely and fergie
0: and sophie Lauren.
1: fergie by the way we have to this was fergie's year
0: yeah oh my god this this was a great year for the black eyed peas oh for sure the
1: black eyed peas were in the culture
0: yeah an education a movie that i took myself to see on a day that i had off from school i was like i'm gonna go take myself to a movie and then my first Carrie Mulligan exposure, and I was like, "Who? I, I'm obsessed with this girl."
1: I'll never forget one of your most iconic Instagram bios: "I am as pretty as Carrie Mulligan." Please confirm. Please confirm.
0: Please confirm. The Hangover, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, an important installment of the Harry Potter story. The death of um, Dumbledore.
1: No, he does he die in Half Blood Prince, or does he? Yes. Or does Snape die in Half Blood Prince.
0: No, Snape dies at the at the end of Deathly Hallows. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. Does he? Half-Blood Prince is 1,000% Dumbledore being killed.
1: <laughs> you should say... Okay, you're right. You're right, you're right. The way that Bowen Yang is looking at me right now, he's saying... I'm not looking at you he's in He's saying, way. honey, you know I read Harry Potter books every no, day. No, no. What? Come out, no. Come out of the closet as a Harry Potter daily reader. As a Joanne Kathleen <laughs> apologist. Dan. Dan. Um, death of Dumbledore. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> death of Dumbledore. Okay. Let's go back quickly to music. Other top-selling albums. I Dreamed a Dream by Susan Boyle. Was this the year of Susan Boyle? Or was that viral... I mean, that talk about a viral moment.
1: Was that 2008 or 2009? In any I case, think two- her virality was 2008. Her album was 2009, was 2009. But the Susan Boyle phenomenon opened the door for Adele. <laughs> Very... No, I mean, I don't think you're wrong. Susan Boyle... Walked so Adele could run. It's actually real Culture number one hundred. Susan, Susan Boyle, Boyle walked, walked so, so Adele, Adele could, could run. run. Meanwhile, it, Nineteen
0: comes out in two thousand eight. Adele being on SNL is two thousand eight. Shut up. I, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> just saying. I think Susan Boyle and Adele though are sort of cosmically linked in a way. <laughs> yeah, they
1: are. They should do a. They should do a conversation and it should be filmed. They should do an actors on actors. Neither of them actors. British chantuses drinking wine. I hope Susan Boyle is well. I think she's fine
0: uh, I am Sasha Fierce The Fame Hannah Montana The Movie Soundtrack And The End By Black Eyed Peas Let's talk about The Black Eyed Peas
1: The Black Eyed Peas Had a number one hit On the Billboard Hot feeling. 100 For this year For 26 weeks Cumulatively I Got a Feeling and boom, Was boom, a pow. number one hit For 14 weeks Wow. Boom Boom Pow Was a number one hit For 12, 12 weeks. weeks Boom Boom Pow
0: Boom, Boom, Pow, sure. I mean, you're incredulous. You find it incredulous that Boom, Boom, Pow had such a chokehold on the culture. But I will say, I Got a Feeling was that song.
1: It was definitely giving, like, this is the song we're going to play for the trailer for, like, Valentine's Day. You know what I mean? It's like, I got feel it. You know? <laughs> but I Got a Feeling is, like, the
0: pregame song. It oh, is yeah. the pregame song. And I feel like that concept, kind of, for me at least, I'm just gonna say in my personal experience, 2009 was really when I started to embrace the pregame because this was college, this was freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. I was getting, I was like drinking with other students for the first time. I didn't really do it that much in high school. This was a huge cultural and personal moment for me, and I got to the pregame that.
1: for the Violet Ball. Oh my God! Well, we did a postgame for the Violet Ball. We did a pre and post game because I remember we this was also right around the time when we discovered marijuana. And uh-huh. I remember we were like, let's smoke and then go to the Violet Ball. And the Violet <laughs> Ball was like NYU's like yearly social. Well, how would uh-huh. you describe it? It was
0: like a like a nice prom. And uh, that wasn't totally real, but it was a social and it was at Bob's library, was it not? It
1: was at Bob's. Yeah. yeah. I remember we were all so excited to go to Bob's. It was my like Second time at Boabst. I remember me being like, I remember one of our conversations, Bowen, was like, I've never been to Boabst. And you were like, I'm at Boabst every day. Every day.
0: (laughs) I was at Boabst library every day for four years. Yeah.
1: You really worked very hard in college. Not really. But Bowen, you were at Boabst every day. Actually, no, I did. Don't do that to yourself. You worked so hard.
0: I was slaying organic chemistry. I was, I was in grad classes by my senior year.
1: Yeah, you're so smart. Oh, uh, whatever. And you were at Bob's every day. You knew exactly where the bathroom was at the Violet Ball, from attending Bob's study sessions. Right. I was like, "Where am I going?" Matt, do you want to rattle off more of these number one hits? <laughs> sure. Number one hits from the year two thousand nine. Three by Britney Spears. <laughs> Great song. <laughs> Crack a bottle by Eminem. I don't even know what that is. Oh, baby, are you down, 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 I down? I love down. That by J. what says 2009 more than this next one. In New York, uh, the perfect song about that, that doesn't. Grama- co- we were in New York, baby. We were in
0: New York. Grammatically, it didn't make sense, but it was an amazing song.
1: Concrete jungle, where jungle dreams where are dreams made. Of, made of. of Might be title of app. <laughs>
0: Fireflies by used. Owl City. This wow. was a bop.
1: 10,000 fireflies. You know who loved this, Taylor. Taylor. Oh my
0: God, absolutely. Just Dance, Lady Gaga. Three weeks in number one in 2009. My Life Would Suck Without You. Two weeks number Clarkson, one. Kelly Clarkson,
1: My Life Would Suck Without You was a number one hit for two weeks. It broke her own record for biggest jump to number one. Did you just rattle that off off
0: the top of your head? yes. That's amazing.
1: It went from, I believe, I believe a moment like this went from ninety-seven to number one. Wow. And then I think uh My Life would Stuck Without You was like number ninety-eight to number
0: one in like one wow. week. Wow. Pokerface being number one for one week is shocking to me, but
1: I believe it. There are so many songs you think are gonna be number right. ones, and then you look back and they were not. Like it's right. it's kind of shocking. Right, right round around. by Flo Rida. This was also the intro to Kesha. She would only start her solo career next year and you in know we'll be talking about k e dollar sign h a in 2010 single ladies single ladies one of the most and iconic. what you say by jason derulo ahead
0: of the curve in terms of the Imogen heapification of pop music
1: absolutely that is a really good way to put it the image right? heapification of pop music like we're still in it taylor is Deeply, still. It, taylor and
0: ari are still influenced by imogen Imogen, you can see her image in music.
1: Ah! Period.
0: In and, and heaps, really heaps
1: of music. <laughs> That's really good to number 30. Imogen, Imogen? You, you can see, see her image, image in heaps of music. music. That's one of our Absolutely. best ever.
0: That's one of our best ever. Okay. Television
1: of the time, Bowen. Talk about Let's it.
0: Let's go. Emmy for Outstanding Drama, Mad Men for the second consecutive year. Emmy for Outstanding Comedy, 30 Rock for the third consecutive year. And that was like, mm-hmm. I, I think that was also the fourth season of the show.
1: Yeah, maybe. these shows. No, no, no. I think it was the third season because I remember okay. they won their first year and didn't stop winning. Right. These two shows had a chokehold.
0: Absolutely. And there was a lot like, of crossover between the two as well. John, John Hamm. Hamm of all. Yeah, yeah. And John Slattery. Great, great shows. We love them. Outstanding TV movie. Gray Gardens. Wow. Drew and um. Drew and Jessica. And Jessica. Lange. Well, I, I blanked on Jessica's name. This was like
1: a moment where this was like Drew's first big like prestige moment. Yeah. And then it never it it didn't did not happen again. But I remember Drew was so great in this movie. She was, she was great as Little Edie. I mean, she like
0: she slayed. She slayed. <laughs>
1: and speaking this of this is the first Rock. outfit for the day. <laughs> it, it's my impression of Drew Barrymore as, as her impression of that crazy lady. What was
0: it? It's my imitation of Drew Barrymore's impression of that crazy lady.
1: <laughs> my
0: husband and I.
1: Are so my absolute, husband, husband and, and, and I. You're so absolute. Yes.
0: <laughs> Clues. <laughs> <laughs> Clues. Okay. Talk about these premieres. Uh, What premiered in 2009?
1: These following shows, which would all be culturally important, began in 2009. RuPaul's Drag Race. Wow. Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. Wow. Glee. Wow. Watch What Happens Live. Wow. Modern Family, The Good Wife, and Jersey Shore. Now, RuPaul's Drag Race did not have an immediate cultural impact, but... And this was obviously the year that BB's A Hard Binet won. I just, I have to say, it was also with you that I started watching the show. It would be the next year. But I just have to say, remember when RuPaul's Drag Race was ah. on Logo and it was just lube commercials? Like, Boy bring butter. Me it was back Boy to butter. The days. Yes. It was I so missed it. for queers. Yeah. And it's just so interesting. Like, other things on this list, too. Like, these things that were so for faggots, like Lady Gaga on RuPaul's Drag Race, that would then ultimately become Oscars and Emmys. You know what I mean? Like These things that were so niche and people did not have any clue what to do with, years later, they would truly find out what to do with them until they were like, literally almost like, both those things are like, and I I don't say this in a pejorative, but like, for moms now, Right. And that's not, that's not a pejorative thing. It is the usual for faggots. Both are still for faggots, but they're also for moms. Now
0: it's the sort of life cycle of social media as well. It's like Facebook Mm -hmm. is Facebook starts out cool. And for the kids until it becomes for moms right? and no problem. Moms are the ultimate terminus for anything cultural. I think,
1: Oh, in 15 years when like, Tate McRae is for moms. Remember this conversation. I can't wait. I can't wait wait for that day. When Renee Rapp is for moms, remember Remember. this conversation. And it'll be beautiful.
0: It'll be beautiful. These are shows that entered syndication as in they reached 100 episodes. Grey's Anatomy, The Hills, Laguna Beach, Law & Order SVU, and The Office. Yeah. Amazing.
1: I mean, all those things are very indicative of this time. And ER ended this year. So this was ER ending and Grey's Anatomy sort of being the apex predator, as it were. <laughs> One hospital drama falls, another reigns supreme. And I think Grey's Anatomy has kind of eaten ER now. Well, it is. I think they announced this at the Emmys. It is now
0: in its 20th season. I think it surpassed ER pretty recently as the longest running medical drama. Right. Yeah. American Idol winners, Chris Allen with runner-up Adam Lambert.
1: Wow. Wow. This was also a time when American Idol was the number one show and it was not close. This was still the era of, and I'll also not for nothing, but Adam Lambert on American Idol was also a gay moment. Revolutionary. I remember he performed Feeling Good on American Idol. And I remember he wore like a white suit and walked his gay ass slowly down a huge staircase. And I remember being like, this gay guy... Is turning up on this show and he will not win. (laughs) But like and lo and behold. But he didn't win, but like
0: but he did. But he has the cultural staying power that like Chris Allen didn't.
1: Yeah, isn't that interesting? Like, I feel like Chris Allen winning American Idol like certainly speaks to the fact that we we were, were well it's like he was definitely talented, but it wasn't what Adam Lambert could do. But then,
0: like, I think before the end of the year, Adam Lambert did come out with his album, Your Entertainment. Oh, yeah. That was a cunty album. Cunty, cunty, cunty. What do
1: you want from me?
0: Wow. Originally
1: for Pink. Wow.
0: Paula Abdul stepped down as judge. Her replacement is announced as Ellen DeGeneres. L-O-L. That Whoa. did not go good. No. ER aired its series finale, as we said. Mad TV aired its series finale. Oprah announces she will end her talk show in 2011. Yeah. Okay, very interesting.
1: And then obviously, like, you can't really talk about 2009 without talking about two things. And I I would say that's, like, death of Michael Jackson. I think Mm -hmm. we all remember where we were. Yep. And Obama being fucking sworn in. Like, Mm -hmm. the Obama story is more 2008. But, like, I just remember that feeling, like, and it's it's really interesting we pull this year out for so many reasons because it did feel like with when he became president, like and was sworn in, and that year was starting, and it felt like there was so much good news about like same-sex marriage being embraced around the country and him even starting to embrace it, and just maybe it was us being at NYU and like us like finding our ways out of the closet or getting there or being halfway in, out, whatever. This year really felt like. There was so much promise and potential, even with mm-hmm. Gaga. You know what I mean? It's like this new fucking like throwback to David Bowie that's coming out, like Obama being elected, like so much culturally encouraging stuff. Yeah, yeah. I wish I
0: internalized that optimism more, because I feel like I've really forgotten that the literal emotion of that, but well, you know, it's easy to now, of course. Remember being optimistic? How sad is that? How sad is that? Where were you when Michael Jackson died?
1: I was at work. Me too. I was I was at work. I was working at a seafood restaurant on Long Island. It was a very interesting time because like I said I was in a relationship or something that I was keeping a secret with someone I worked with and was much older than me. And I remember Michael Jackson, I found out he died at work and then also the funeral was playing when I was at work and I remember we weren't playing music, we were just playing the funeral Uh and we would never do that for anyone else.
0: That's Michael Jackson.
1: Yeah, it was, I mean, it was the the death of beyond a cultural icon.
0: Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. And this was a really interesting time too because everyone was, it was like worldwide grief but also there's that weirdness in the air about like The fact that he had, you know, I don't know. The allegations of him and his predatory behavior was really also hanging in there. Right. Well, it was just, it was tragedy on
0: top of tragedy on top of tragedy between like his upbringing and then the way the death transpired and the way, and like his legacy being very compromised. It was just layers of devastation.
1: You remember Nicki Minaj's iconic lyric? Like, MJ, doctor, they're killing me. <laughs> Propofol. fall. They really hope a fall. I know they hope a fall.
0: There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly. Bubbly bursts, Refreshing bubbles, colorful bottles, and playful smiles galore. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible, and with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about.
1: Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over six million active hourly
0: workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand. Temp to hire, part-time or full-time.
1: You name the position: warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job has got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly You know, Bowen, I sleep well. I know you do. I attribute that in many ways to the mattress that I sleep on. We both sleep on the Helix
0: Midnight Mattress. It's given us sweet dreams aplenty. And the Helix lineup offers over 20 unique mattresses, including the reward-winning Lux and Ultra Premium Elite Collections, the Mm. Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids Mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts everywhere.
1: Say it again. Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. Your personalized mattress is shipped right to your door free of charge. Everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different
0: mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences.
1: Unique girl, the way you sleep is perfect. Plus, Helix mattresses all come with a 10 or 15 year warranty depending on the model.
0: Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash lasculturistas. That's helixsleep.com slash lasculturistas. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. This also was the year we lost Brittany Murphy. Mm. (sighs) I was at Pope's library when that happened, when I heard. Oh my God. I know, sad for many reasons.
1: Sonia Sotomayor swung in as the Supreme Court Justice. She would go on to speak at our graduation. I'll Uh never forget her first words. This is awesome. This is awesome! Yes. it's so good to be in the Bronx. <laughs> Sonia, Sonia. Uh, yeah, Natasha Richardson passed. So did B. Arthur and Farrah Fawcett. Not a good year for actresses um, mm. living. Joe Biden was the vice president. Democrats had a fifty-nine seat majority in the Senate. We missed that. Sarah Palin resigned as governor. A political storm. Uh-huh. <laughs> at large. I like this section. Read some of these. The Walt Disney Company acquires Marvel Entertainment. This at the time didn't feel like a big deal because this this was a time when like DC was sort of slang and Marvel was kind of flop. Like right. no one was checking for Marvel really, but also Iron Man had just come out and like there was a little bit of a tickle in the Marvel idea.
0: Well, there was a lot of importance around this at the time. Like I remember reading so many pieces on like I think it was like Kotaku or like Gawker. I mean Gawker is like that is two thousand nine, the house down, the house down. Like Gawker, the like, two thousand nine was like Gawker original Gawker peak, mm-hmm. for me at least, it was like Richard Lawson writing all this stuff. Richard Lawson, I remember that summer of two thousand nine, left Gawker and wrote his goodbye, his farewell post, through the voice of. At the time, famous New York socialite, Tinsley Mortimer. Mmm. Like that was like the level of like.
1: That's where we were at.
0: Well, that's where we were at. And I was just like, oh, Gawker feels like this really exciting place, like on the internet where like people are funny and cheeky and these like, it just, I really miss that time the internet specifically. It was like Twitter
1: kind of starting out. Oh, yeah. This was 2008, I remember, is when I became really aware of Twitter.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 2009 was when I started my account, I think. And it was just a fun, fun place for the most part. I remember like Michael Ian Black was like a Twitter celebrity to me. And he mentioned me one time, and it was the most star, it was the closest to fame that I had ever felt. It was like Michael Ian Black acknowledged me on Twitter. Yeah. Isn't that so funny?
1: I remember thinking Ashton Kutcher. Created it. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I wonder why he he was out talking about it so much. Remember Ashton Kutcher and Twitter were like that was in the era of Ashton and Demi too. It was like what was more synonymous, Ashton and Demi or Ashton and Twitter? You could not tell me. That's interesting. It was also Twitter. I think early
0: days of Twitter, specifically 2009, was I'm gonna say a name. She was the queen of Twitter, Katy Perry. She was on oh, it yeah, all she... day, every day, just, but being funny on it. Like, I remember this so well. I couldn't stop laughing at this. Like Katy Perry one time, one day tweets, I'm fucking walking down the street with my ice cream cone, enjoying my day. It was pithier than this, but she was like, I'm enjoying my day with like walking down the street when a car goes by and all the people and it shout, de Chanel, fuck my life. This was, this was FML. This was also the peak, like this was
1: FML culture. This was FML culture, and where that tweet constituted an LOL reaction, right? Where I was like, "Oh my god, the internet is so funny." Also, the era of "Oh my god, Katy Perry and Zoe Deschanel look so much alike." <laughs> Meanwhile, years later, who would star in the video that satirized that concept? I would. You and me Zooey. and Mitra Juhari and Mitra. Happy birthday, Mitra. Happy birthday, Meantra. Happy birthday,
0: Queen. We love you. Let's see. Bernie Madoff pleads guilty and the biggest Ponzi scheme in America. The effects of the Great Recession are deeply felt in the U.S. despite it ending June of 2009. If you want
1: to understand the recession, watch the movie Hustlers starring Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> That's actually rule of culture number 88. If, if you, you want to understand, understand, the, great understand the Great Recession, watch, watch the, the movie Hustlers, Hustlers starring, starring Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez.
0: Lopez. Swine flu is a global <laughs> pandemic. The first
1: covid, I had it. You had swine flu? I had swine flu. Okay, can I ask you a question cuz you know what, now I remember you saying this at the time and me being like no you don't. You doubted me. I did. I remember Bowen Yang was saying I have swine flu, I have swine flu. Why would and you this doubt the very, me? Because I believed at the time that you wanted attention. That's so toxic. It was toxic.
0: We weren't close friends at the time.
1: I remember being. I think I told Billy, Billy Domino, "Like Bowen Yang does not have swine flu. He's lying."
0: Nicole Conlon, who we love and currently works at the Daily Show, came over to my apartment. God bless her. Gave me echinacea, bourbon, and like all the Tylenol in the world to help me go to sleep and bounce back. I well, okay. I never got it diagnosed, but I was experiencing. Yeah. A, <laughs>
1: No 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 no
0: no 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 no. Hold on. No 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 no. Dashboard confessional singing. This is. I had deep flu-like symptoms during the peak of the swine flu pandemic. Don't you dare doubt me.
1: Mean you had swine flu? Had you gotten a positive result? There is a high likelihood that I had swine flu. You are ridiculous. It wasn't circulating around where we were. Yes, it was. It was a global pandemic. Bowen, don't raise your voice with me. I'll come over there. I'll smack you. I'm not letting you anywhere <laughs> near my apartment. <laughs> Fool. Banned. Banned. Oh, my God. Matt
0: Rogers banned. I can't believe we still haven't resolved this. This is crazy.
1: I am living that this, because I remember this is like maybe the third or fourth conflict we ever had was i remember being like he does not have swine flu i He's lying. had it
0: <laughs> you fool
1: i'm not having this conversation i apologize <laughs> can I can i apologize to you i'm extending my hand to you like sandra did to poverty <laughs> i'm sorry bowen there was a high likelihood that i had
0: swine flu and what does it matter that i did or did i was sick I was very sick for a Producer
1: time. Producer Becca says she has it too. I think she's a liar as well. Why do you doubt? I don't understand. I think I'm... you were a liar, Becca. No, Matt. Oh my no, God. I got tested, she says. Okay, sh- receipts are nothing. Receipts! Stop. Proof! Timeline! Screenshots! screenshots 104 fever. Fuck, that's terrible. That's,
0: I think I had a, a, the same fever. Yeah, you think. Um the grinder launched in
1: 2009 so
0: I was an early adopter.
1: See, I'm saying this is the thing is this is what I'm like pointing at. It's like this was the floodgates opening for gay people. Like and it was overwhelming. It was yeah. like not only being in New York, Gaga, Obama, Drag Grinder, Adam Lambert Adam Lambert. It's like, oh my God, is gay in? Because gay, gay was just so out.
0: 2009 really was a big year for gay.
1: When you think about 2007, to 2009, gay was out. Then gay started to be in. And mm-hmm. I was just like, hold on a second. Let me emotionally catch up here. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure you guys just wanted to kill me 15 minutes ago. Now you want me to come second on Idol? I don't think so, honey. I remember one of my first grinder meetups.
0: Whoa was when my sister was out of town. I was roommates with my sister my freshman year of college. Healthy. She was out of town and a guy I was talking to on Grindr was like, I'll come over and I was like, this is my address. And then he comes over and I think he like sees a picture of Yang or something. I don't think she knows this. Sees a picture of Yang and I don't remember his name, but he was like, I know your sister. No. He was like, this is too weird. I know, Yang. We can't hook up. I'm so sorry. And I was like, really? He was like, Yeah, this is just you sound like her too. I was like, it was all this stuff. And we were sitting on my couch in that apartment on Sixth Street Avenue A. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And this was one of my first, it's isn't that so funny? My first grinder, one of my first meetups at a time when gay culture was also very different where it Mm -hmm. was the time of no fats, no femmes, no Asians. It was. That was a very different, the etiquette, the rules of engagement on these apps was, I mean, not that it's gotten that much more orderly and it's fine, it doesn't have to be, but like back then it was the wild, wild west. Yeah,
1: I would imagine you experienced a lot of abuse on there. 1000%. And like
0: Asian people really, I think like- Took it. Took it. It's so wild. But that was, that was the beginning of Grindr. And like, it just, you learned within, and for any gay man or for anyone who used that app, mm-hmm. you learned pretty quickly what the value system was. Mm. Right? In a way that like, you didn't necessarily understand if you went to like a gay bar or if you watched like, you know, fucking, what's that show? Like, Queer as Folk or something. Queer's you know folk. what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, the desirability yeah. politics were immediately set when Grindr launched.
1: Yes. Well, we had almost no representation. So that just allowed these niche areas where we were communicating to be the only way to talk about it. You know what right. I mean? And like, because there was no representation of like diverse queerness at the time, it probably did filter down to, well, if you're not being depicted as attractive, you're not right? You know, like if
0: you're not attractive, then like there isn't really a place for you. But I was, you know, you want to know something? I was using Craigslist. I was using Craigslist to hook up with people. Mm-hmm. Like, this was the time of Craigslist.
1: I think you've told me that before. I, uh, other friends of mine have said the same, uh, of ours mm-hmm. have said the same thing. So was it just you'd go on Craigslist and like, respond to a post, or would you post? I would never post.
0: Oh, I did, No, I did a few times, but like, it was just really scary to like receive like anyone could reach out to you and Mm -hmm. send you really jarring things whether or not you wanted it so i would what i would usually do is like respond to people you would trade pictures over email over like um you know proxy accounts proxy email addresses and then you would like arrange in the meetup there was just a lot of like It's just like Grindr now. It's just like the apps now. It's like there's a lot of like setup. And like Craigslist was kind of like the only thing in town until Grindr came along. And I I didn't use Adam for Adam. I didn't use the like the more legacy platforms. But Grindr, I think, really the fact that it was on your phone really fucking blew the gates open.
1: Mm -hmm. Totally unregulated too, which now it feels odd to say this, but the apps are very regulated now but that's because there's a deep need for it because it's not a safe environment
0: no no it's inherently somewhat dangerous if you're putting yourself out there
1: in any sexual way i don't know there's there's just some danger that that's all like here's what i'll say i was not on grinder then I wouldn't be on Grinder until like 2016, 2017. Really? And was rarely on the apps. I was, <laughs> I was, at the time, very afraid of sex. 2009 is also the year, unfortunately, I was assaulted. Mm-hmm. It's taken a very long time. I don't think it was until to 2017 heal. that I understood that that's what Mm -hmm, that was. mm -hmm. Um, It was during the Me Too era that I realized, I recognized a lot of the conversations that were happening. And I realized that where I recognized it from was that it had happened to me. Yes. So looking back, one of the things I always feel disappointed about and like about my college experience is that I wasn't out there more. Like I always tell myself, it's like that scarcity thing where it's like, Oh when you were young, you should have been out there doing this and doing mm. that. But like, I think that was another reason for my anxiety around gayness and around like thrusting myself into this world and why it was so hard is because I was confused about whether to trust gay people or not. You know what I mean? Like, I uh-huh. I was bullied very badly when I first got to NYU by gay men. I remember
0: the specific bullies as well.
1: And I also had trusted one and been taken advantage of. And so-
0: Oh my God. We both have a name that we were both. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's so funny.
1: Well, I mean like, and then I remember I came back to school and like had, you know, gained like some confidence and some power, but I filtered all of that into like the comedy Comedy. and the friendships and none of that into my romantic and sexual life, because- I was so scared uh-huh. of sex. I was scared of um, interacting with other gay men and mass. You really were one of my only gay friends. But
0: can we just say, and maybe we haven't really acknowledged this: us being in these comedy groups was a lifeline for both totally. of us. Totally. I mean, we'll talk about this. So if we, whenever we talk about 2008, but like I remember going to NYU being like if I don't get on this improv group, I will have no way of making friends.
1: I think I felt really similar or or I was concerned about... I put all my chips in it. Yeah. I felt the same way. When you actually made it in your first... I remember like... So I had sworn myself to like this thing. I was like, I'm going to do what Amy Poehler did. And then... In 2009, when I went to my Danger Box audition for the improv group, and I tease you because you were there and we had uh-huh. an interaction, and I didn't make it, mm-hmm. I was really scared because I was like, "Okay, that's one down. There's only yeah. one other one." And I was, was not the at right the time. One. I was not at the time a self starter. Like Sudi didn't make it into Danger Box her first year. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, and
1: she was enough of a self starter to start her own group called Captain Soldier, which would then become its own thing and she made her own way at the time. Like, I think I was so insecure and such a different version of myself. I don't think I would have been able to start my own comedy group. So it was really important for me. And I think for you too, Mm -hmm. to make it into this thing that was like established and we could join and I could like code switch my way in. I never Mm. pretended to be straight there, but I was always very good at playing with boys. Right. You were. Well, so were you. We want to know why? Because we took a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You way worse than me. Was this also the year of our wedding? No. I think that was That was another was year. We don't have to get next, into that. We don't have to get into Somebody that. Somebody has to say, we were playing boy ball and that was actually like comfortable for us. Right. And at the time, it was like
0: Well, this beats the alternative, which is that we're not in these groups at all and that we have no outlet for this thing that we, this art form that we love and want to do and want to start early.
1: Yeah. I just knew I needed to do comedy and it was more important for me to commit to that than to, like, figure out my gay inner and outer life because I was so stunted. Yeah. So, yeah. But no regrets. No regrets. Not at all. Because ultimately, like, that is how we met.
0: Mhm. And we've made like again deep friendships in these groups. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have to say names necessarily, but like we keep in touch with
1: Oh, oh my god. No, I I have warmth in my heart for everyone from that time. Mm-hmm. Obviously mostly you and Sudi. You know what I mean? Like ultimately like
0: Sure. I mean like Anna was- Dresden for me like
1: Yeah. She was
0: the first person I reached out in April of of 2008 before I even decided on NYU. Or maybe right when I decided on NYU. And I was like, what's the process like for getting into these groups? And then she was like, she reached out. She like, we like joked back and forth. Like cosmically, that is crazy to me because it's like she and I would then work at SNL together and like write Iceberg together. Like that is crazy to me. But we can get mm-hmm. into this in 2008.
1: Yeah. That was all 2009 for me. All, all my first in terms of uh-huh. all that was 2009. Well, I think we had very different 2008s. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, all of this was... 2009, this was such a blessing of a year to choose first. A deep reflection, would you say? Wouldn't you say? A deep one, and now I'm getting the goblet out.
0: Okay. Goblet of cultural years is coming. It is actually an ice bucket, but that's okay. <laughs> can, you, I think, can
1: you hear the sounds of the goblet?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I was telling the Katie's Reader's publicist finalists that it's actually an ice bucket, but for
1: the- No, use- it's a goblet. <laughs> Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. The next year on next week's Lost Coach to be culturally excavated is 2017. Wow. Wow. 2017. This was just off the top of the dome. This was the year that Lost Coach really became a thing. This was It was our second year. Yeah, but this was like the year that it like really became a thing.
0: Well, I was going to say, like, we can go through the episodes from that year and, like, take a stroll down memory lane. That's a good year. There's going to be some darkness.
1: There's going to be some darkness. There's (laughs) going to be some light. And that's just culture, baby. Um, But look forward to that one next week. 2017, brush up. That is the year that will be culturally excavated. Wow. Period down. Oh, I forgot to mention, um, DJ Earworm.
0: That is... An incredible mashup, uh, as we've talked about last week. But um, there's not much more to say. It's just, a, it's just an incredible mashup. But that was when he did, like, the top 50 songs of the year. Check he, it like... out, y'all.
1: <laughs> Check it out, y'all.
0: There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly,
1: Bubbly Bursts, refreshing bubbles, colorful bottles, and playful smiles galore.
0: Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible, and with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about.
1: Try new Bubbly Burst. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6
0: million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs, on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time.
1: You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their Easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like
0: that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to two four two four two four to talk to an expert.
1: Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
0: Hey, Los Culturistas listeners, we're here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy.
1: Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion.
0: It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com, then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas.
1: There's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for the birthdays of loved ones in my life. And sometimes I do get super stressed trying to find that perfect thing. Me too. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search
0: hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found a custom chalk
1: bag for the adventurer in my life who's into rock climbing. Not me. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner in your life or a birthday present for the pickleballer in your life, Gift Mode has you covered.
0: I'm not the pickleballer. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. It is
1: time for I Don't Think So, Honey.
0: Yes. This is our one-minute segment where we take a minute, as I've said, to go off on culture. Matt, do you have something? I do. Okay. This is Matt Rogers. I Don't Think So, Honey. His time starts now.
1: I Don't Think So, Honey, if you're out there pronouncing it or spelling it like America Ferrara. Oh. Her name is America Ferrara. This woman has been famous for over 20 years. I'm going to reputable websites, and they're saying in bold, America Ferrara. This is not her name. Her name no. is America Ferrara. It has been since she was born, and since she was born into the public 30 eye. seconds. If you are saying Ferrara... It feels racist to me. Just learn this woman's name, America Ferrara. It is an E, not an A. Why am I going to these websites and seeing Ferrara?
0: It just feels so
1: lazy to me. This is one of the most famous people. Like, just, I don't want to see in the lead up to the Oscars. And you know who's a spoiler? America Ferrara. Please, please, please call her by her name. America Ferrara. I don't think so, honey. America Ferrara.
0: Here's who I don't think is dealing with this. Amber Tamlin. Alexis Bledel. Blake Lively.
1: It would be like calling her Alexis Bledel. Like, it's not. It's
0: not. It's, it's Ferrara, not.
1: not Ferrara. This has bothered me for such a long time. And this didn't happen today on Oscar nominations morning, which, by the way, <laughs> were announced by... <laughs> jack quaid who uh, i was in hammer cats with
0: and zazie beats
1: at nyu and zazie beats who we love but it's just so funny because literally i was like who's announcing i was like jack <laughs> wow like jack. that that blew my mind like again it all goes back to fucking what we've been talking about I he know. was in that group with yep. me anyways just so funny mm, but jackie america ferrara is her name her name is not america ferrara I think that it is a demerit on you personally going forward if you call her America Ferrara. It is not that. That is not her name. Please say this woman's name correctly. Thank you. She's an Oscar nominee. Emmy winner. Coming for the EGOT, Queen-a. All right, Bo and Yang. I put to you now your opportunity to do it. I don't think so, honey. Do you have something? I do. I do. Slay and a half. All <laughs> right, here's Bo and Yang's I don't think so, honey. Coming at you fast. Time starts
0: now. I don't think so, honey. Putting tape on coffee cup lids. Because mm. guess what? The hole is going to be sticky with adhesive. And I don't want to put my mouth on that and taste epoxy with my cold brew. Okay? I want pure coffee. And there are already microplastics in every corner of the world. I'm going to call out my Starbucks's. My, <laughs> not my Dunkin' Donuts's because they've got The straws. 30 seconds. If we're not going to do straws, which I respect, you can't cover the hole with sticky shit. Because then what's going to happen is I got to take off the lid and sip from the rim like I'm at a restaurant when I'm not. I'm on the go. Or I have to pour it into another container. 15 seconds. And you're making me do physical and emotional labor in that same breath. And you need to govern your ass. Five seconds. Okay. Don't put the tape on. I know you're trying to protect spillage, but it doesn't need to be that. Put the little... Sticky circle on
1: that's easy to pop off. And that's what I meant. It. Or just trust that I'm not going to spill it. Like, stop. I hate stop. that little tape. Do you know what I'm talking about? Am I crazy? No, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, I every time I'm like... That green tape, it doesn't come off easy. I'm like, what are we doing here? I just don't get it. It feels like something that we don't need to produce en masse. It's like... this. this, this it can't be more sustainable than that little paper sticky circle that, that you kind of just like... Flick off, and it's I don't think don't, we need either of them, though. Why do we need the hole on top of the that tiny hole on top of the iced coffee
0: covered? i don't I don't get it because I guess for de- sometimes the delivery people, if it's a delivery, they don't want it to splash and splish in their bag. It's to help them.
1: I would rather have the lid that's like, you know, those plastic lids that like just have the little divot or indent in them, and you can do it uh-huh. yourself. like, I don't know. i I just feel like there is a better there. way. There's a better way. Period. Well, listen, this has been, I think, an excellent episode of Lost Coach. I think so. I would
0: have to agree.
1: And to the doubters,
0: you yeah, said, you,
1: you guys flopped. You really flopped. Doubters forgot how good we are at this. Sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and no one should doubt us on the traitors. Season three, four, five, six, whatever they want us, we will be there.
1: I think we're. I mean, they would, they would break us up, it. though.
0: We can't be on the same season because they would want to break No,
1: us we have to be on the same season, I think. That's the whole point. It's like, if they make one of us a traitor and one of us a faithful, that's iconic television. <laughs> yeah, but the traitors will want to kill... Like You as a traitor will want to kill me
0: or the table will want to banish you or I and split the group. It's Larsa and Marcus. I think we have to play together. That's all I'm going to say about that. I would love that, but I think that compromises both of us.
1: We're going to continue this conversation off-air. It's going to continue all day. Bonyang, Yang, I hope you feel better. Thank you. And I hope those tonsils uh, get sorted. And by sorted, I
0: mean snipped. Girl. I want them out, girl. Okay. We
1: end every episode with a song. All oh, the single ladies. All oh, oh, the single ladies. All oh, the single ladies. All oh, the single ladies. All oh, the single ladies. hands up. Up, up in, in the, club. the club. Just pong up. Doing my own little thing. To listen to that song, get the album I I Am Am Sasha Sasha Fierce. Fierce. Buy it on
0: iTunes like it's 2009. In the Sasha Fierce half (laughs) of that
1: album. Oh, the single ladies! Bye. Bye. There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly Bubbly Burst. It's bursting with
0: fruit flavor, no added sugar, and
1: You deserve that. Try new
0: bubbly bursts. When the music of Celine Dion makes sweet Canadian love with the Oscar-winning film Titanic, you get Titanic, a campy, unhinged, chaotic night
1: out.